Yeah, wow. Sorry, I'm having like, I think there's something about morning podcasts where I, I allow my brain to just go into all these different directions. So I'm going to try to sip this coffee and okay. settle in, nestle into this. Um, it seemed to me when one of the interesting things we were talking about last week or trying to was were these two questions that I get from people. And maybe we can't do both of them at the same time. But the first is, I mean, people who, who've read my book, for example, or listened to my teachings or podcasts or whatever, and I have some interaction with them, almost without exception, there is the question of what if my partner or spouse is not on board with my unraveling? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a, I don't know. Wow. Well, and, and if anyone hasn't read the book, the book is called Bitten by a Camel. It's on sale now. You can get it in stores and Amazon.com, however you wish. But I mean, your your book is essentially, you know, takes place mostly 10 or 15 years ago. And it's about, how would you describe it? I mean, some people would probably just say walking away from the church you know, as someone who's worked inside of the Christian church and grown up inside of a family where that was the family vocation. Mm -hmm. What are you asking me what the book is about? (laughs) What do I, what I think the book is about is the process of growing up. I mean, that's, and growing up psycho spiritually is what I would say, or maybe another way of saying is outgrowing the worldview that I was brought up in, but very slowly and sort of all the circumstances, experiences, events, questions that just ha- had to keep working on me mm-hmm. until I, I just, I woke up one day and realized I'm not in that place anymore and I had to walk away. So it is, yeah. I guess it's like a 10, 15 year old book, but there's plenty of stuff in there that is just from the last couple of years too. Yeah. I think that's a great door into this conversation because what is interesting is that people come up to you and they don't say something like, hey, I might be thinking some of the same things you are. They come up and they say, "Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. What do I do about my spouse and my kids? Yeah, no, that's exactly (laughs) it. That's exactly it. Uh, And sometimes, like, if I tell the truth, there are going to be consequences. Mm-hmm. Like if, in other words, there, I, I, I do meet plenty of people who are like secretly, not with me, I would just say, because uh, it's not about being with me, but are somehow post-Christian or even definitely post-evangelical, but even sometimes post-Christian as um, kind of an operative identity. When I'm speaking to someone, I get the feeling that if they're honest with themselves, they're okay with that. In other words, many times it's that they're not afraid of the big bad God anymore. Right. Like, and that's kind of what was keeping them stuck for a long time, Mm -hmm. not getting it right, not pleasing God, not, you know, whatever. And, And for some people not going to the afterlife or something like that. But once that fades, there's like, okay, I'm okay. I'm, there's a little bit of, I'm okay, but it's, what do I do now? How do I live? My whole world is filled with people who 
if I come out of the closet, so to speak, um, I'll lose I'll lose my social standing. People won't know how to relate to me. I, I, I don't know. Maybe. And this is something that we we jumped into actually last week when we were kind of wrestling with this stuff. It was a really I really liked it. Um, what we were talking about, we were talking about. Um, it's a there's a cycle and uh, a cycle like a psych if a psychotherapist um, would identify like you develop coping strategies to navigate life. At some point, you go through a crisis time. In the crisis, your coping strategies stop working. Then you go through that period, you know, of being like the crab that leaves its previous shell and is searching for the new shell, but extremely vulnerable because you don't have that shell of the new coping strategies yet. Um, And what we're coached to do, and I think what most people um, feel, it's it's the natural feeling, uh, is the moment you shed that one shell that you have, it's sheer panic. And it's like, quick, figure out a way to get the shell back on. Now, I think that there's, we could go on forever about what that might look like. It could look like watching Netflix and, you know, drinking three glasses of bourbon. Um, It can look like uh, going back to church on Sunday mornings and just like grinning and saying, I, I'll, I'll, you know, I do this, I do this because, you know, my kids and my spouse and, Mm -hmm. and maybe I'm the one that has the problem. Um, it can, it can be any, it's like the symptoms can show up anywhere, um, that what you're doing isn't working anymore. It's really obvious to you. It's not working. And there's a part of you that's saying, leave it behind. But leaving it behind means stepping into an ultra vulnerable spot that immediately feels like you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You screwed it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and the point being, that's actually maybe that's the natural cycle that we should be paying attention to. Like, instead of saying, it's wrong. Maybe that's the natural cycle of saying like, it's normal, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, we don't live in a, we don't live in a culture that appreciates the natural cycles of anything. Right. That's why we have a pharmaceutical culture. I mean, people get depressed and sometimes they need meds. I'm fine. I'm totally for that. People have anxiety. They need meds from time to time. Mm -hmm. I'm for that. But we think immediately that I'm feeling X I need a pill for that. Yes. It, it is. The, it is. Something is waking up. That's the way I would put it. Something is waking up that needs attention. Yeah. And, um, and when you just medicate it, whether it's professionally, you know, yeah. I, I, professional medication, which somehow seems like just because a doctor said it, it's, you know, therefore must be, you know, you know, someone might say three glasses of bourbon and watching Netflix. Now that's a little sketch, but immediately taking the pill upon right. my second visit to the counselor that's not sketch because that's professional that's that's scientific you know that's yes uh, and the symptoms can look the same at the very beginning the symptoms of waking up can also look the same as something that's you know legitimately going askew mm-hmm. 
um, there might be some kind of mile markers. Like I was asked the other day by my wife, uh, are you depressed? And I'm like, no, I know depression. I've had depression. This is not what I feel. She's looking at me and saying like, he's in a, you know, he's in a dark space. Um, and she's like, are you depressed? And like, I'm, you know, removed. I'm doing, yeah. you know, strange things. <laughs> Wilderness walk. Um, <laughs> and she says, are you depressed? I'm like, no, actually, I feel really hopeful. Hmm. I said, but it might look like I'm disappearing, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I'm like, I, but that's, and I said, that's a difference because when I was depressed, it was a pervading hopelessness. I actually feel like I'm on to something. Mm. I'm just super confused as to what I'm on to. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a similar thing. You can also translate that from like, you're talking about taking pharmaceuticals. You can also translate it directly over into that, you know, er original question of like, what about my spouse? What about my kids? If I'm leaving my, you know, Sunday morning church institution setting, mm -hmm. it can look identical where it's like um, the person who's leaving can leave out of rebellion or the person who's leaving can leave um, because it's just time. It's, it's, it's time to graduate college. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and it can look identical. You know, it can look like, because because all it looks like is somebody's leaving mm -hmm. right so it's really just whatever it is i guess the person who's watching that person leave is projecting onto them maybe yeah well they need some kind of story this happened to me when i left marcel speaking of depression because um <laughs> this came came to me in a roundabout way but many people begin taking the narrative of kent is leaving mars hill into he's depressed he's having a hard time his dad just died he's He's, you know, he's struggling with his faith and which probably all those things were true or not. No, okay. <laughs> they weren't. My dad, well, your died. dad did die. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, he's confused. But, but I was saying for the first time in my life, I have some clarity. I'm going to leave this place. Right. And they said, well, he's confused. Yeah. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't have any clarity right now. They're, they're saying they needed me to be something other than the way I was describing it. I even got a letter in the mail and the letter in the mail was telling me what they were telling other people. And if that was okay, well, we, you know, people have been asking about, so we're telling, we're telling people that you're going through a hard time and that your dad just died. None of that I ever said. I mean, it's like, it was it's just like, like you had to approve the press release yeah, exactly, about exactly. what you're going through. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for feeling the necessity to talk about what I'm going through. But, you know, obviously, I mean, the way I would look at that now is like some, something about what was, what was happening in me was some kind of mirror back to them that they could not face. Like they could not face the fact. I don't know exactly what, but anyway. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's what the, your friends and your society and your culture, they need a certain storyline. And that's mm -hmm. the problem with any kind of soul waking up because it's, it's not going, probably not going to fit the storyline of your, the first half of your own life, mm -hmm. but it may not fit the storyline of what's culturally acceptable. Yeah. Well, and as, and, and as the person who's writing the story that's going on within you, it's really challenging to get up each morning and write that story and feel like you might be, you might, uh, I guess I would say the pervasive feeling is probably like, I might be doing this wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, you're filled with self, self doubt. I don't think that ever goes away. Yeah. Um, you know, even today, sometimes I wake up and be like, why did I give up a six figure job with mm -hmm. health insurance 
and benefits and retirement. And I could virtually say whatever I wanted besides like, you know, the, the super no-nos of evangelical Christianity. And, and I probably could have quote taken the church in whatever direction I wanted. Like I could just wake up one day and be like, we're, we're open and affirming, you know, Mm -hmm. deal with it suckas. You know, why did I give that up? That was stupid, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but then I don't know. Those are just like passing moments. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's still the, the wounded child saying, um, somebody needs to take care of me. Mm -hmm. Somebody needs to fix my problems for me. Somebody needs to pay my bills for me. Somebody needs to be my, like I had a, I had a, an administrative assistant, you know, as dumb as this sounds, I, for, for, I had an administrative assistant for four years that basically ran my life, you know, and now I have to do that and I don't like it, you know, well, someone else needs to schedule my appointments, you know, like you, you putting on my Google calendar, let's meet at nine o'clock, you know, I mean, cause I don't have an AA any, you know, anymore. It's For all like, of the listeners, if someone's willing to volunteer to be Kent's administrative assistant, I don't, it would make that's my exactly life what I'm easier. Saying. I don't, that's like someone else will take care of me. That's the little wounded child, mm-hmm. um, not wanting to take responsibility. And I think, um, you know, uh, I want to make a whole podcast about this because I, so I don't want to get into it, but I'll just mention one thing that James Hollis says about adult relationships. And he says, the first step is to take responsibility for your psychological and spiritual well-being. Mm-hmm. Now think about that as number one. Now put that back right back mm-hmm. into the context of our original question. What if my spouse is not on board? Okay, well, number one, you have to take responsibility for your own psychological and spiritual well-being. Are yeah. you doing that? And that's not that's a lifelong thing. That's not like, hey, I went on one of Kent's retreats right. and now I took responsibility. No, okay. Or I have a therapist. No, yeah. it's like in the most integrated and holistic way, is this a commitment of mine? Am I going to get up in the morning and take responsibility for my own psychological and spiritual well-being or not? Or am I going to put it on somebody else? And I'm I'm actually having this sort of like thought that's emerging it's also probably uh, the feeling of kind of exactly what we're describing, the pervasive feeling of not knowing exactly what I'm doing most of the time versus the feeling of I seem to be doing everything fine most of the time, except for the fact that I feel like I'm alone and that I'm missing something really important about myself before I die. You know, I don't, and I don't know if you get to have like, if you get to have it any other way, it seems like there's kind of like the step into a space where, yeah, taking responsibility for your own well-being means also you're now the grown up. Exactly. You're the grown up raising your own kid exactly. and that's you. And you have to be both the navigator and the passenger. And it's really disorienting. And meanwhile, I have actual kids. Not only, <laughs> not only do I have my inner wounded kid, I've got these other ones running around in my life. How the hell did I end up like this? You know, but that's what I'm saying. So, so quickly, okay, how can I shirk responsibility? I'm going to pay for my kids to go to, to, you know, a Christian school. I'm going to go to church. That way they're not lost. You know, I'm going to, um, I'm going to lean on my spouse or partner to do a, B and C cause I don't want to take responsibility. I'm going to take the easiest job that I possibly can take so that all my bills will be paid and someone else will run my life administrative assistant. And I'll just keep my mouth shut. And right. that's called capitulation. Those are the, that's, that's the fork in the road. And that capitulation at the age of say 38 or 39, whenever you were, when you left, um, can be capitulation. Whereas at the age of 22, 
four, it might just be the architecture of becoming an adult. And that's the weirdest thing about having this like, and I'm also raising children Mm -hmm. as I'm refusing to capitulate at the age of 40. But those kids haven't even gotten like close to building their original architecture. And it's so damn confusing as far as like, okay, then what do you do on Sunday morning? Do they need to be in Sunday school? I don't know. Yeah. Listen, I'll give you another story from James Hollis. Um, psychotherapist, you can look him up. He, he tells a story of, um, I just heard this the other day on a, on a podcast. Uh, he tells a story of, he was a college professor for a long time and he was doing some kind of lecture uh, on projection and transference. So relationship stuff, mm-hmm. you know, take responsibility for your <laughs> psychological and spiritual well being. So we was talking about projection and transference and it made it made intellectual sense. He's at a you know prestigious university. Kids are smart. They they get it. They understand it. And they take a break. They come back. He's like, okay, now let's let's take these basic concepts, and let's apply them to your existing relationships right now. Let's apply them mm-hmm. to ones that have just ended or ones that you're in. Go, and nobody had anything. Nobody had. They couldn't do it. They understood the concept, but they didn't have. The, 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 the psychological maturity, their egos were not strong enough to look at their own life. In other words, and, and in the sense of like, they couldn't say like, this is where I was projecting something onto another person, or this is where I was transferring they experiences from my own life onto somebody else's experiences. The reason why they, is because the they haven't lived enough life. They hadn't gotten married, had kids and spent 15 years projecting. Right the magical other on and then have it fall apart. You know, they didn't have that yet. So they can read the book, but you can't actually feel some patience is in order. All right. So, uh, and that's back, back to what we were saying before, like, all right, so our culture is pretty sick. I don't think we need to, um, praise the fact that we're cogs in the machine of the industrial growth society. There are things that we can do about that. But when you're 22 and you're, taking your first job as a nurse, this is a great thing. I mean, it's part of your own psychological development. Let's not confuse that with your soul task in life. You know, that's, that's what's your soul task in life. What's mine? No, no. That's like, uh, yeah, don't, don't jump to jump to the end. Yeah. But we, and so one of the things that we're missing are these larger cyclical maps, period. Like what is a full life? What does, I mean, one of the things I've been complaining about forever is that we don't have any elders. Yeah. All right. Well, that's because we don't have any adults. Right. <laughs> and why is that? Because we have, we don't have very many healthy late adolescents who are wanderer archetypes. Why is that? Because we're stuck in early adolescence. Now that's my particular frame, but I'm just saying when we're, when we're talking about culturally, um, I heard Richard Rohr say, it's like an indigenous phrase. no, wise person ever wanted to be younger? Do you know? Right. No wise so you look at our culture and say, okay, we live in a totally unwise culture. That's all anybody wants out there in mainstream <laughs> cultures to be younger. And they can spend thousands That's of dollars on That's a pervading message. Yeah. When it's you a, find somebody who doesn't, it's actually really refreshing. Yeah. You're like, what? What's yeah. wrong with you? So we fail to have even cultural maps or images for what does a full life look like? How many young people even know there's such a thing as an elder? And I get to care for the the well-being of the earth community and future generations as an elder. How is that yeah. like a vision? It's like retirement. It's like 
maybe I could get a boat then and and chill out finally yeah. you know that's like such a narrow small and stupid vision and it even goes back to something something you had actually mentioned at one point um you said we really don't want our kids to wonder it's you're a failure as a parent if you allow the children to wander yeah and then they grow into adults who have never wandered okay. who are just i got something to talk about <laughs> oh man we shouldn't make goes. this too much longer but we'll, okay so when I was at, um, or maybe we've just gone into part two. When I was at a Christian school teaching in Grand Rapids, you can put together those three words and figure out what school I was teaching at. We um, did this survey thing, okay, about basically spiritual maturity and spiritual knowledge, theology, whatever. It was some, something that Willow Creek, the church in Chicago made up. And then through, they wanted to expand it into the Christian education world. So take these surveys to find out where people were, which is a really interesting, um, of course, we live in an age where we bow down before numbers and statistics. And the problem with spirituality is people are always saying, you know, how do we how do we gauge this? What's people's grade? And, you know, churches had these programs. They wanted to know, does it have any effect? So anyway, mm -hmm. we start taking these surveys. And a whole bunch of research was also coming out of Fuller Seminary in California about young people. And what, what the, the, the catch line was, what makes faith stick? You know, I, mm -hmm. I forget the really good people, by the way. Um, I'm not really against the research, but they were started to track students over time, what makes faith stick and, and so forth and so on. And uh, the general uh, assumption by the administration was that we have to work very, very hard at this critical age to get in the right information and or experiences and or people in their lives so that their faith sticks so that they don't wander. They don't, <laughs> they don't wander so that when they get to college and they're, they have their, their, their first roommate is an atheist. They have an answer, right. you know, or they get to a sticky situation at a party and they've got the moral, you know, resolve to say, no, I'm not going to behave like this, which I actually think, yeah, that's in those are, these are all very important things to be thinking about. But in terms of archetypally, it will, and it's, it's that point we were making like, no, like this, Instead of looking at it as a cycle that we will all go through again and again and again of losing, building the mechanisms, the mechanisms disintegrating under the pressure of life, rebuilding new mechanisms, maybe is another way of looking yeah. at wondering. It was, how do we get it so that the first tool set lasts all the way to the yeah. end? And this is 101 cycle, which is the tools that got you here are not the tools you need for the next stage. Yeah. So all of the tools that we needed to help high school kids graduate from a Christian school might work for the first couple years of college, maybe, right. but they're not the tools they're going to need if they're going to grow up. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's such a, that we're doing kids a, a disservice in a way. And the institution has this kind of like panic if anybody ever walks out the door yeah. and we've failed them. I don't know if that's the case. I think, no, we're yeah. responsible for equipping them as best we can for the stage of life that we think that they're in yeah. so that they can wander so and, that they can and recognize, move out. Recognizing that they are going to go through those disintegration, reintegration 
periods and that that's going to be totally normal yeah. and that maybe and maybe that's and i don't know if this is a question that can even really be addressed but my the question that pops up in my mind getting back to the original question of okay what do i do about my kids if i'm going through this kind of like leaving wandering mm -hmm. phase and i'm you know say 40 years old yeah maybe younger maybe older um what do i do with the kids when they're you know years away from going through this phase maybe the question is more like is the underlying message of whatever you're taking them into is the underlying message that you're supposed to have your golden set of tools by the age of 18 that you never need to like mm -hmm. <laughs> throw away and find new ones yeah well i don't know i mean this is like back to ken wilbur all quadrants all levels we know tons of things that young kids need besides mm -hmm. like a theological map what do they need they need a nest like environment when they're very young right they need to know that they're safe then they need something that's akin to um a little bit of wandering a little bit of coming back you know like mm -hmm. the middle childhood years yeah they need to practice a little bit yeah they exactly um they need love they need concern they yeah. need um they need a parent who's sensitive enough to start to pay attention to way, to to the unique shape of that child right you know um they need yes even simple things like okay we live in a complex world they need an education what are we going to do about it how are we going to take responsibility so it's not like we're lost as parents yeah uh, but maybe the fear is like, because I don't know what I'm doing on like the psycho spiritual core. I don't know who I am. Yeah. I'm going to put that onto my kids too early. Well, there are plenty of other tasks of being a parent, right. um, introducing them to the natural world. I mean, our kids are wildly disconnected from anything that we would call real, meaning yeah. nature. So there's a task. Take them outside. Go on a walk. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to live in a bus in the woods. Yeah. But there are plenty of things that we can turn mm. our attention to, but I don't know in the distraction of like your own existential angst, you think there's nothing I'm going to do. I'm going to screw them up. I mean, right. in a sense, the nature itself has just as much of a role in raising our kids as we think we do, you know? Yeah. Um, they are after all part of the natural environment, the natural landscape. So take them outside from well, time to time. And the two, Oh, the two, the two, uh, let's call them paths, okay? Let's call them like a parent, the parent and the child. The two paths are completely tethered to each other. It's the same awakening to your soul, let's say, awakening to, to who you are, starting to hear that own voice that you have that's going to inform you when a 12-year-old kid says, I'm not going to church anymore, whether or not they're saying, I don't feel like getting out of bed mm -hmm. on Sunday or they're saying I can't do this mm. and it's squashing mm. who I'm trying to become. Okay. I, I here's something else. So here's an <laughs> archetype that helps for teenagers, mm -hmm. early adolescents. And it's the archetype of the thespian, the actor. That's the archetypal image, which is as a parent, Let's just hold that for a second. So something archetypally is waking up in a teenager. Yeah. Maybe even a little bit before. And 
if the archetype is the thespian, the actor, they have to put on. Why are they putting on? Why are yeah. they putting on a mask? Why are they putting on? Why are they? Why all of a sudden were they wearing like you know hip hop clothes, and then they decided to go? They decided to go you know goth. What? Yeah. What, yeah it, can, can because, I give you just a beautiful image? My right. daughter literally went to like an event with her former classmates at her former Christian school, and she shows up wearing a jean jacket covered in basically every button that she's bought or acquired from her travels, it's and like holding space and flare. holding a book under her. Like, why bring a book to a social event? It was literally a fair. She brings a book to the fair where all of her old friends are going to be. It's Neil deGrasse Tyson's. Uh, astrophysics for people in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it was just on like the go. You're on the go. You got to carry that with you. You're well, it's just you're in a hurry. Yeah, she's putting on the clothes of like I'm gonna be the person who does this. So now. honor it. That's what I'm saying. Honor yeah. it. And that's the problem with with um, I think when you're inside a strongly religious culture that has very narrow views on what a healthy teenager is, mm-hmm. and um, you want to, you know. Conventional wisdom is, well, you don't want them to stand out in any way. Let's mm-hmm. let's pull them back into the mainstream so that they won't get mocked, so they won't get... No, if they don't do that, they will not grow up. Mm-hmm. If you don't... I'm not saying encourage them in a like kind of crazy way as a parent. Try this, try that. Pay attention to what they're drawn to. If they're drawn to something... I mean, mm-hmm. you're a parent. You can say that's dangerous, you know. Yeah. Oh, I kind of want to experiment with heroin. Okay, there are other ways of shifting one's consciousness. You know, that's that's a dangerous one. You might die. Right. But carrying around Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson and, you know, having 500 buttons on your jean jacket. Okay, this is the thespian. Try right. it out. Right. Because it's back to the original struggle. Authenticity and social acceptance. There they are. They sit in tension. And you ha- and the only way to find out a little more of one's authenticity is to try on a few masks, mm-hmm. is to go grunge for a while. You know, I mean, look at my high school pictures and my hair, <laughs> you know, like how did I go from like in the sixth grade? I was like this nerdy kid. I had bifocals. <laughs> and, you know, when I'm a junior, you know, I, I've got nine out of 10 kids prefer crayons to guns, my Pearl Jam shirt and my long hair and I looked exactly like Kurt Cobain. Was that authentic Kent? Well, in some ways, it was me as the thespian saying, yeah. who am I in the world? I don't know why, but for some reason, Kurt Cobain and Eddie Vedder and and Allison Chains and Soundgarden, they make me feel alive. Like they're speaking a language that I'm speaking. I just didn't know that. And I had mm-hmm. to try that on. Yeah. I had to try that on. And and there was something authentic about it. Yeah. Even though I look like every other grunge kid, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of being the thespian. If you don't go through that sort of phase of life, then I think when the fork begins to appear in the road and you start you start to have the deeper choice of authenticity versus capitulation and social acceptance you're much more likely just to go the path of capitulation. Yeah. You know, if, if you've been thoroughly indoctrinated by your parents, by your church, by your Christian school, or forget about Christian school or whatever, any school, you know, capitulate. The point of life is to capitulate to the materialistic industrial growth society. Do you have a home phone? I forgot. I don't know anyone that has a home phone. Do you have an answering machine? It's like, hi, you've reached the Moors. Please leave a message. Beep. Pick it up and answer it and hang up. 
Okay. End of podcast. <laughs>